Welcome to Oops! All Monsters, the deadly, unserious show about creatures, cryptids, and curiosities curated by two weirdos from wild and wonderful West Virginia. That weirdo with me when I can get him out of that coffin filled with the soil of his homeland is Gavin. <laughs> and this weirdo with me when he's not editing out my squeaking chair is Hess. That's uh, a fact. Um, it is a fact. I I gotta give. Well, I'm. I'll throw down on myself. Um, I had to teach myself a new level of noise filtering to get out my own um, mouse clicks from a recent episode because I basically yeah. I had, what I what happened was I rejiggered where my mic was sitting. Uh, in the orientation of my desk, and it, what had happened is my my mouse isn't that loud, but it was just close enough to my mic. Now all of a sudden, it was only about five inches away that you just heard every damn click. But I, I taught myself how to remove it in post. So meh 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 meh. Well, <laughs> so how I so, I got a new chair. I got a new chair. I got a new one, chair. The one that holds my one ass. That won't squeak in the show. <sighs> one that won't kill my family. And that's the news. <laughs> that relevant TikTok content, Huey Lewis and the news. Um, does is your does your new chair look like it can can go fifty five yes, miles an hour? It's black and red, and it looks like a mercenary mech commander chair. Yeah, I I really don't like the modern like gamer chair things. They're not really my jam. I the thing is, if you've seen the chair that yeah, you you've been to the house and seen the chair that I've been using. It's a it's actually a yeah. very early adopter gamer chair. It's like an it's like a yeah. It's like an ergonomic chair from I want to say seriously 1992 <laughs> that it was like in my it was like in my family that has just it managed different people in my family abusing it for decades and it never makes a freaking sound and is very comfortable so um I uh, I, nice. I I'm just rolling with it They used to build things to last Uh yep yeah, those those good good old Bangladeshi craftspeople Okay, then it is time for Insert Sting Here. Villainous Vocabulary. But on today's Villainous Vocabulary, um, I have a word here that I had heard as a proper uh, noun and a name, but not as just a, a regular noun. It is Yarborough. Yarborough is Y-A-R-B-O-R-O-U-G-H, and it's a very specific uh, meaning. It means in bridge or whist, a hand with no card above a nine, a hand with no card above oh, a yeah. nine. So, I mean, you could probably, if you if you try to get this term going in modern usage, you should probably you probably basically say any no face cards, no aces, you know, all, all trash yeah. cards. I guess you could call it a Yarborough. Yarborough, all righty. No, I'm gonna. I definitely needed to know that because <laughs> I write write the game with where gambling is. Like center, yeah. Playing center playing cards are an actual are an in fact mechanic. Yeah. yeah. Yes. <laughs> Groovy. So uh, Yarborough has been today. Yarborough. Villainous vocabulary.
We are here to, as we always are, delight and edify you with tales of mysterious monsters from mythology, film, TV, literature, uh, and gaming, both from inside the box and out of the console and beyond. On a rotating basis, Gavin and I bring a monster into the shop, unknown to the other presenter, and then discuss them for the edification of both uh, you at home and uh, each other. So... Um, Gavin, what kind of thing are we talking about? Is it going to start with a story or, or yeah, what? Yeah, I'm going to uh, start it off with a story. And the way I'm going to do that, um, you're probably going to get it pretty quick. But the way I'm going to tell this story is um, in a way that the monster would understand. Okay. So the wording will be a little bit different, and um, uh, just like the the concept of the language may be different, but I think you might get it pretty fast. So here, here goes with the story. Uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that's going to definitely be the fastest, um, the fastest uh, recognition that we've got on a topic. Uh, it is um, Jack, <laughs> Jack, President Jack Nicholson's favorite uh, interplanetary travelers. It is the Martians from Mars Attacks. From Mars Attacks. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to. I'm going to talk about the whole damn thing. Okay. Because it was uh, uh, trading cards in 1962. Yeah, I am. I have some of the modern, a couple of the modern tops brief, uh, some of the modern tops reprints that came out in the um, 90s or the 2000s. You could get at novelty shops. I think yeah. I got them at a comic book store cool. um, up in a couple of little frames around here. They're very, they're very funny. And, uh, yeah. So is that is that um <laughs> is that accurate that the origin is from is from the cards that was the first piece of material? Uh yeah, the Mars Attacks trading card series was created by Tops in 1962. Holy uh, product shit. developer Len Brown inspired by Wally Wood's cover for EC Comics Weird Science number 16 and various Tales from the Crypt comics pitched the idea to Woody Gelman. Gelman and Brown created the story with Brown writing the copy and creating rough sketches, and they enlisted Wood to flesh out the sketches and Bob Powell to finish them. Norman Sanders painted most of the 55-card set, um, and Maurice Bloomfield painted uh, 10 to 20% of them. The cards, which, which uh, sold for $0.05 cents per pack, were test-marketed by Tops through the dummy corporation Bubbles Incorporated under the name Attack from Space. Uh, sales were f sufficient enough to expand the marketing, and the name was changed to Mars Attacks. Uh, the cards sparked parental and community outrage over their graphic violence and implied sexuality, and Tops responded initially by repainting 13 of the 55 cards to reduce the gore and sexuality. We'll talk about that. <laughs> However, inquiries from a Connecticut district attorney caused Tops to halt production of the series altogether before the replacements could even be printed in 1963. Fantastic. <laughs> oh, this subject will give us the opportunity to recap and kind of like Resay a lot of things that we already said throughout the podcast because there's a lot of concepts here that we've talked about 
but since we're more comfortable in recording it and everything like that, it might sound better in this one. Yeah. Like, well, um, like these, uh, these Cold War monsters um, that I keep bringing up who have been uh, adapted and kind of redone for Generation X is uh, kind of a running theme that I yeah, do. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Um, before we get before we get too far, I don't wanna, I don't want to keep jumping on you, but I w- do want to say um, that for those of you who are under the age of thirty five, um, the the primary yeah. piece of pop culture that these are attached to is a satirical piece of science fiction comedy made in nineteen ninety four. Ninety five. Ah, I was so close. Five. Ninety four. Yeah. <laughs> um, because I, I, I've taught kids they had absolutely no idea. You know, thirteen year olds have no clue that this movie exists, even though it starred literally all of the most famous people of the nineties at the time. Um, from Sarah yeah. Jessica Parker and Michael J. Fox to Jack Nicholson and um uh, what's it? Han- Handsome yes. Mc- Mc007. Uh Pierce Brosnan. Um, Pierce yeah, Bronson. I mean, it was yeah. literally every scene was um, a major blockbuster star was playing everybody in this movie. And uh, yeah. yes, it was. Uh, well, you you tell me it was. A, I don't know, but it was like a, my, I understanding. My understanding was that Tim Burton just got got hold of these cards and was like, this should be a movie. It's basically this already is a movie that it's just you need to fill in the blanks in between. But um. Yeah, pretty much. Um, Tim Burton always loved disaster movies. He called them there and disaster movies for also people who don't know before everything was a superhero movie. There was a genre of movie about um, giant cataclysms that was kind of like a survival aspect that always had like an ensemble cast. Yeah. Where they would die off one by one, yeah, um, like, trying uh, to survive this yeah. horrible towering, thing. towering inferno, or yeah. um, the Poseidon, the Poseidon adventure. Exactly what I was thinking about, where the ship flips upside down. Yeah, yeah. Um, and Tim Burton called them uh, celebrity die-off movies, and he <laughs> always wanted to do one. <laughs> I see. And then he got the opportunity to. Hilarious. Um, yeah, and so. It and the movie is a hilarious and bizarre mix of of comedy and the science fiction tropes of the space the the, re, the true top of the space age sixties um, flying saucer versus uh, green plastic army men style army men. Um, it's really all of those tropes just turned into a series of kind of like gore paintings. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's absolutely it's absolutely bonkers, and the 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 movie really follows through on that premise. It is yeah, it there, does. There, there's it's, a solid like half hour to forty five minutes of just hilarious like like laser zap murder. Yeah, if there was anybody that were to uh, do this in 1995, like take something from 1962 and like reconceptualize it into a, a modern adventure film it would be Tim Burton because if I I don't know if you remember like Edward Scissorhands but like um, what time period would you say Edward Scissorhands takes place in because that yeah that well, is <laughs> yeah that's one of those confusing ones I have a I have a I would if I was pressed to think about it I would say that Edward Scissorhands is probably like um, 
like dirty dancing in that it doesn't actually exist in a specific logical time. That it's, yeah. it's both simultaneously in the you well, know, Dirty Dancing is somehow both in the eighties and the fifties. Uh, yeah, because if you if you watch Dirty <laughs> Dancing really really cleanly, if you actually pay attention, they have access to vehicles and cars and technology that are only in the eighties. But when you yeah. think about the movie, you're like, oh, it's a fifties movie. He's a greaser. He's got a leather jacket. There, yeah. it's a bunch of Jews <laughs> in the Poconos, and like yeah. that's kind. They're kind of trying to have it both ways. And I would say that really that is um, probably what's going on with Edward Scissorhands is he's yeah. he's pulling the, I guess it would be early 60s on top of the early 90s. This person stole from you? Tell his parents and they'll make him give it back. Or, you know, yeah. late 80s. I probably, you know, 88, 89 is being, um, science fiction is slicing reality and pu- juxtaposing it with, you know, 1959, 1962. I don't know. How, how am I doing? Yeah, because Anthony Michael Hall in Edward Scissorhands talks about his VCR. Even yeah, he's and he's like got a, a he's got a big a Letterman a, jacket wearing prep. <laughs> yeah, he's got a big Chad truck with Casey lights on it, doesn't he? You yeah, know what I mean, yeah. So, yeah. And, and that was not a 1960s trope. That was an 80s thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It, it's just that 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 symbolically, Tim Burton was a lot. A lot of Tim Burton's original exegesis was about how the conformity of the suburbs in the valley of, of, of Southern California and Burbank represented like, you know, kind of a, a, a corporate or industrial um, like cookie cutter reality that he could juxtapose with um, the absurdity of like Gothic and horror and black and white and German expressionism. Yeah. I mean, it's not that it's yeah. there's a lot of overlap between a lot of the Tim Burton stuff that created his aesthetic. It's like, what is the opposite of Winona Ryder in in that movie in Edward Scissorhands is, you know, like a kind of there's a reason that the that that Edward looks like the somnambulist from the German expressionist movie, uh, the doctor, the cabinet of Dr. Calgary. Um, is you can't aesthetically get farther enough, uh, from those things. Um, and I was, I was hitting a second point there, but it's, it's not, I'm going to stop ranting about this, but it's not, um, (laughs) and then I'm going to, he says that and then he rants for another five minutes. We're just going to wait here for a little while until things quiet down, if you don't mind. But it's, it's not, it's a, it's a very similar to what Richard O'Brien does. Um, the creator of the Rocky Horror Picture Show with Brad and Janet versus Frankenfurter yeah. and the, yeah. the unconventional conventionists. It's you're juxtaposing <laughs> the American values turned up to 11 of conformity and being pleasant and, you know, like sh- sh- shined little bl- like shined little shoes and your cute outfit and gee golly shucks versus these decadent, sexy, queer European maniacs, right? Yeah. I'm afraid so, Janet. <laughs> They're always in like polka dots and stripes and um ha- they have that uh 
pulp aesthetic from from the early 60s mm-hmm. uh, showing up all the time and they're supposed to be like the individuals and the the you know the fashionable ones and then they're contrasted by like the main either villain or hero in Tim Burton's thing which is always like 1990 bondage goth blade princess <laughs> type thing like, <laughs> yeah and I love it. I've loved it all of my life. I saw Edward Scissorhands when I was a kid. I think I was a kid. I think that was 90, wasn't it? Um, yeah, because I think that was post-Batman? Yes, it was, because I remember when Mad Magazine made fun of it, they said that Edward Scissorhands, whenever he fights Anthony Michael Hall, is just Batman again. <laughs> yeah, it would, 90 would make sense. Yep, it's 90. Yeah, that's that's the first movie I saw as a kid that did not have an Uzi in it that was my favorite thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Usually it had to have like a machine gun or a predator in it for me to watch it or rent it 50 times, but Edward Scissorhands didn't need any of that. Yeah, I um, <laughs> when I was a kid, I, I don't know when... I, I, my aesthetic shift shifted um, differently uh, or it, it shifted at a different time where I was like exactly the same. Like I would – and I think um, kids now would really underestimate the ability that uh, – how it, much it was possible if you were a kid to, to go to the giant eagle – and go into the video. There was a video store inside the Giant Eagle grocery store. Yeah, and then there would just be a whole section of like ninjas and guys with submachine guns on the cover. And yeah. basically, when I was a little kid, I just walked into that section and found one that I had not seen, and was like, "I'm getting this." And then you know, it would yeah. be like an American <laughs> yeah. Ninja Five or Delta Force Thirty Six of somebody yeah. somebody strapping something onto their forehead and, and wearing a vest in the jungle and killing killing a bunch of brown people with an automatic weapon. Have you ever questioned the nature of your reality? These violent delights have violent ends. Or robots. Sometimes it was cyborgs and monsters. Yeah, there, there was lots of robot killing. It was just like, I just need somebody to march around with a yeah an Uzi or an MP5 yeah. and, and chop up some bad guys. Yeah. <laughs> Let's get to the bedrock of the story of Mars Attacks, because we have not discussed these Martians really at all. Yeah. Mars Attacks started with just 55 cards that told a story. I found all of them on the internet, on um, Immerger, and um, they are... It's a pretty simplistic story about how Mars is going to explode, and the Martians know this, so their corrupt government, um, it's, it claims, uh, says, let's go kill all the Earthlings and live there, and so that's what they do. They set out and start destroying people with these um, heat rays and uh, shrink rays, frost rays, uh, little... Uh, trinkets of things and um, for a for a great deal of the middle of the card series there's something like 20 or 30 cards where it's just giant insects attacking yeah, I, yeah, and gotta... I was wondering if that was um, them redoing it so that they could tone down the violence huh. because these bugs are just kind of like carrying people away or the bug is just being smashed by something 
or there's a bug in front of some fire. Huh. And not compared to the other cards where there's a Martian zapping somebody's guts out, like all across it, they're pretty tame. Yeah, so I I'm mean, wondering if I the bugs know. are like. I'm, I'm a looking redo. at some of these giant bug cards, and they're still pretty vicious. But um, yeah. but they do they would take up a lot of the 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 like canvas of the card so to speak so if you had to yeah. cover something else up this would work but um yeah. I don't know it it it, all, it still it also fits the atomic age cold war fear yeah. tropes so it's not yeah i was thinking it's that not, too it's not, so it might not be it's a not really a lot more nonsensical than anything else um you know you yeah. could you could headcanon that they were just using like gigantism rays on the on the bugs or something to cause like more havoc or they were bringing them who, who knows it, it seems plausible well, yeah it says that's what they did oh, okay <laughs> Well, they just enlarge bugs. But to, yeah, you yeah. look at these cards, and yeah, they've got you got rays that just burn you like a like a, a heat ray that just boils you like a microwave. Yeah. You got this one guy. This this terrible picture of this. It's called number thirty six. Is just destroying a dog. Yes, that destroying a dog is one of the most popular cards and has so many stories behind. it. Really? Uh, well, let me let <laughs> yes. me describe it real quick. It's a horizontal card. Um, on the right is the um, this. We should describe what these little guys look like if you if you're not familiar yeah, with it. Because, describe the damn because they're kind of a yeah. they're kind of a little dude with a dome um, over their gigantic skinless head, which is mostly a brain. Yeah. I'd describe it as three or four times the size. It's like an, a totally exposed brain mounted that like seamlessly goes into like a skull face with l just like lidless eyeball yeah. eyes. Um, and then, so there's a glass dome over that and like a weird respirator mechanism that connects to, and they're wearing a kind of like spacesuit. And then they got a little zappy yeah. gun and and then the rest of the the rest of the 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 picture is there's like flames in the background of a little boy that appears to be chasing this this one or running away and maybe like pounding him on the back and a couple of flying saucers in the in the background in the air and this this martian is yeah. like blasting this dog with some kind of it's a heat ray or a microwave something and the the dog is just like mid like explosion is basically what it looks like it's really awful yeah yeah the the um back of the card says the martians not only attack the big cities but also struck at the less populated sections of the country. Frightened citizens had to flee into the woods for safety or be burned with their homes. The invaders would leave their saucers and search small caves, looking for signs of hiding families. <laughs> in one cave, a Martian found a group of six people huddled together in fear. Before the invader could use his death weapon, a dog leaped up at the alien. The startled spaceman ran out of the cave, followed by the animal and its young owner. The invader then turned his deadly ray on the barking dog, destroying it as the young boy cried out in horror. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is. Uh, it's wicked rough. Uh, it's, it's yeah, that it's is very, wicked very, rough. Very, uh, very unpleasant. <laughs> well, I would say that card number thirty-six um, created such an impact that an entire comic book uh, was written to explain. Um, 
the entire story, which it does. Um, I think the po- the boy knocks the Martian over and kills the Martian with his own gun in the comic book. I'm not uh. sure. I think that's what happens, but it uh, the comic book covers like how the people fled their home and found the cave and then like the dog and everything. But they wrote an entire comic book for that one card <laughs> because of the impact that I'm sure it had on people. Because it is a dog exploding in the front in the front of the card, like the forefront. Yeah, I'm seeing. Wow, I'm seeing this. I'm seeing this other one that is like maybe worse. Called it's fifty nine blasted into oblivion, and it's we've got what looks like yeah. these these yeah, half stripped <laughs> uh, soldier boys that are like mounted onto some kind of giant piece of Martian artillery, and and one of them is like suffering a ter- he's awaiting his fate, but the other one the the barrel is smoking and he's just like from he's just from like the navel up and everything else is like an exposed dripping open torso <laughs> the Martian the yeah. Martians are just like cackling gleefully about it it is it is um it is macabre it is really rough yeah <laughs> I had not seen um any of these really really dark ones um uh, here's a here's a not super great look on number 15 saucers invade china um yeah there's some kind of not great imagery there but it's interesting uh wow which was it 15 yeah saucers invade china so we have a a... oh yeah (laughs) yeah i wouldn't call it ideal but there you know it's oddly inclusive in a way um yeah watching from mars oh and the 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 can't wow i i wonder if that's original uh yeah watching from mars is a good one where they're where they're all kind of like um cosmopolitan sophisticated yeah they're in their um they're standing <laughs> around what would it be now like a big t like a big screen tv almost and they're not wearing their spacesuits. And if this is really canon, um, if this is originally card 13, then a lot of the stuff from the Tim Burton movie is actually from this is when they're when they're not when they're not invading. They're not wearing the suits, which, of course, makes sense. And when they're not wearing the suits, uh, they look to be pretty much naked or maybe there's some kind of basic thing around their waist. I think they have underwear yeah, on. Yeah, and one of them... What, like they did in the yeah, movie, One of them yeah. is sitting there with, like, a martini glass or some, some, with the martini. some kind of highball, <laughs> like, pointing at the White House being being blown away by these... And the, and the weird, yeah. like, vestigial flaps on the side of the one that's in the foreground's face. Like, that's in that's in the movie. Yeah, um, like, yeah. yeah, that's, um, that's a point I would make, like... Out of all of the properties that came out of, like, the 50s and 60s that keep being redone, Mars Attacks is 100% true to the very first drawing of it, and it always has been, like, every issue of it. The last thing was in 2020, where uh, it was a comic book called Mars Attacks Red Sonia. (laughs) And the Martians in that look just the same, and that's pretty impressive to keep it the same way it's definitely it, it works i mean i would say you don't have to change How them bizarre um oh yeah, yeah. number 22 is um burning cattle which is uh, actually a scene it's like the first yeah. scene in the movie 
Yeah, that's the first scene of the movie. <laughs> There's a couple of cards uh, that Tim Burton did. The robot uh, that chased Richie down the highway is a card. Um, what else is a card? Destroying the dog is kind of uh, referenced because whenever they send... Um, it was Tim Burton's wife is a, a an assassin Martian disguised as a big 50s beehive hairdo mm-hmm. lady who comes into the White House because Martin Short is um, a womanizer. <laughs> yeah. And um, uh, the the her purse is a ray gun, so she whacks Martin Short on the head and knocks him out and goes to hunt down the president, and the president's dog barks, and then the Martian zaps the dog oh, instead of the president yeah. waking everybody up. Yeah. So I would say Tim Burton kind of referenced the uh, destroying a dog card. Oh, yeah. Okay. Fascinating. He did a pretty good job. Yeah. No, I mean... turning these cards. He I, he did a good job leaving the insects out, I would say, too. Yeah, I'm seeing number 20 is uh, Attacked by Rats, where you have kind of an an action mode shrink ray being used, where this, this guy had been a normal yeah. size, but now he's being shrunk to... Uh, uh, a size where these rats are like the size of bears. It's pretty funny, actually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The shrink ray was in the movie. Um, at the end, whenever the uh, the gung ho general does his big speech and tries to shoot the Martian commander with his pistol, oh, they shrink him. Yeah, yeah. There's a there's a strange juxtaposition in the film, and I talked to to my kids when I when I showed them this movie. Uh, that I said that this is a very rare case where the like cigar chomping jingoistic yeah. five star general <laughs> that wants to nuke them all is actually right yeah um, and, and because <laughs> of that the movie has a very strange message yes. uh, that that everyone is um, far far too chill and naive and not nearly warmongering enough um, it's 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 very odd on that level because. It's very, it's very clear that the Martians have only murderous intent, and everyone basically, other than the teenagers, is is weirdly the teenagers and Tom Jones for some yeah. reason are <laughs> the the only ones that can tell that um, that, that that it's not bullshit. Or actually, I'll correct that: the teenagers. Tom Jones and all the black characters yes. for some reason. If you're gonna pick a a, a motley crew of, of adventures to save the planet, I, I kind of yeah. like that list in in the movie. There's and also, I had totally forgotten that until I recently rewatched. Yeah, it. the uh, that was gonna be a point I made. The the uh, black characters are portrayed by Pam Greer and Jim Brown, who had never mm-hmm. been in a movie together, despite their. You, you know, the, the common theme yeah. of all of their past movies. A weapon! A clown outfit! It's me! Foreign wind! Heavyweight! Champion! Of the world! This yeah. was their first you movie together, and then they did overlap. another movie later that year, Original Gangster, about huh. older gangsters. <laughs> and so they got yeah. Bram, Bam Greer and Jim Brown, and... Yeah, uh, both of those actors are wonderful, and I love them in everything that they do, and especially this one. Um, Jim Brown's boxer guy who's uh, trying to get back with his wife um, 
who uh, is an old boxer, and he, uh, the only thing that he can do really in Las Vegas is be like a showroom floor kind of like presenter host uh waiter yeah, type guy he's, yeah. yeah he's wearing like a he's wearing like a tacky king tuck costume and yeah. glad handing people and yeah it's yeah. the the, le- the lessons and that's one of the reasons i showed mars attacks even though it, i probably should not i'm not going to name the the grade level the, the for, for these kids but the actual like content that it that is suspicious is very little there's no there's very little like outright sexuality yeah. the language is kind of meh um but the but and they actually it, the violence doesn't kick in until about half an hour into the movie and then yeah. it goes like from zero to like 11 yeah. <laughs> where <laughs> like a significant portion of the u.s military is just totally fried <laughs> in about two minutes i Maybe they don't like him, the, the human being. These, th- th- there's something, there's something very, um... Oh, man, uh, that's hilarious. <laughs> you, you just find it? Yes. There's, and then I mean... Another one that I'm looking at, it must be a new one, too. It says, Nine Lives Destroyed, and it shows a Martian, like, obliterating in a bloody explosion a box of kittens that a little girl is holding. <sighs> I'm not even gonna look for that one because it's gonna it's gonna bum me out. Oh man, yeah, these new ones are bad. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Um, these remind me of is garbage pail kids is what they remind yes. me of. Yes, you know what I mean. Was that was that on your radar already? Is there um, some? Yeah, Tops in the eighties. Um, after they redid Mars Attacks, started doing other shit. Um, the first thing they did was Dinosaurs Attack. Do you remember that? Uh, no, I do oh, not. Shit. Well, look up Dinosaurs Attack. Um, the Dinosaurs Attack cards were just like Mars Attacks. Um, they were uh, pulpy, except they were made in 1988. <laughs> and then, of course, later that was adapted into a movie, Jurassic Park. <laughs> uh, I, I, uh, I have. <laughs> Uh, I, I guess kid, I mean kids would not uh, we take it for granted that that we we have knowledge of how these would have been consumer products and with the with the death of most comic book stores I don't think most kids would know how, why these would be why these would exist you know what I mean it, it used yeah. to be that it used to be that comic book stores and card stores which are which even are even more rare now there used to be stores that just sold cards that sold baseball cards comic yeah. book collectible cards novelty cards like these horror and and cards for specific properties you know the that if you went to and or if you went to the toy store you know batman 89 would have had trading cards jurassic park would have had trading cards yes it would have been almost the exact same format as the yeah. baseball cards Everything that were produced by card. um yeah. tops or other similar Companies and the, even so much so that they also had the bubble gum in the in the wrapper as well. Yeah, um, and you you will mostly you will see these now at like hipster comic book stores in cities. Yeah, I'm looking at these dinosaurs attack cards and I miss them. I had almost <laughs> all of these. 
Yeah, I definitely recall this ripped out of time card that's like the the it's it's head and skull are being sucked out by whatever mechanism is pulling them into our reality. Yeah. It's it's very graphic. I think these guys are very sick. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I don't, it's, these are, these are, they're very surreal. They're, I don't, when we were this age, there were, it's not just that we remember it differently. There were a lot of these kinds of like sadistic cards yeah. Yeah, and were. a lot, and a lot of things that kind of like got that vibe, like candy and, and yeah, like and this will novelties. rock your face off candy. And like, yeah, there was a, atomic a warheads. Of, it'll blow your mind. <laughs> yeah, atomic warheads are one of the the few things that's still around that kind of were um, uh, had the this kind of like fuckola cola. Yeah, um, <laughs> like this this stuff will mess you up. Twelve yeah. year old like vibe to it. Where it, I mean, th- there are. Elements of this left where you, you disguise the you jokingly disguise the candy as like radioactive waste or yeah. or something that yeah. kind of buys into the the sense of the extreme that a ten year old has. But yeah. it was there was a real for some reason a real apex of it when we were kids, and I, I'm not sure what that was about. Um, that like the <laughs> the the early the early millennials just were where somebody put them in their crosshairs and said, we're going to sell them acid that's going to ruin their teeth. I don't, it's just very strange. And sadistic nightmares. All the teenagers, when we were like 10 or 11, 9, 10, 11, all of the teenagers were um, skateboarding and BMX extreme stars. Like, they were just starting that. And what um, markets couldn't understand was the Gen X apathy. Like, they didn't care. And yeah. um, they weren't, like, in your face. And I think there was, like, a, I guess, like, a backlash of marketing that wanted to say, like, well, you better get in your face and sell all this shit. So here's all this extreme shit. And that might be where it comes from. I'm, I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah, I, I, I always try to... I try to imagine I try to imagine the creator rather than the audience because I think generally it will give you more um, substantive information about a, a confusing uh, piece of piece of authorship and I, I, I kind of want to go to tops and be like okay because there's a very <laughs> kind of like Mad Max no, I'm sorry there's a very kind of like Mad Magazine. Um, you know, scary, grotesque, uh, fuck you, hidden message, golden yeah. vibe to all of this, where um, the, it, it's sub, it's subversive and a little bit sadistic, but uh, but also confusing. Yeah. And I'm just kind of curious who these kind of like the characters were that were inventing these, and what what they thought their audience was, and wh- who they thought would get the joke. And whether they thought it was a joke on the parents or a joke on the kids, you know, I'm, I'm curious about all that. They blew up Congress! <laughs> the guy that made the first cards in 62, uh, Wally Wood, the EC publisher William Gaines once stated, uh, Wally may have been our most troubled artist. I'm not suggesting any cult, uh, any connection, 
uh, but he may have been our most brilliant as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I am. Um, I think it's long documented that that people that have um, terrible um, lives. <laughs> well, no, no, no. no. I, you know, it, you don't have to be Robert Smith to <laughs> like be creative necessarily. Yeah, uh, actually, yeah. but that but that random thought that I pull is people with emotional disorders, people with neurodivergence, people that experience a dynamic mental state. They are more creative. Than neurotypical people, it is just a fact. Normal, normal people are boring, and they certainly are not going to come up with dinosaurs' attacks. Uh, <laughs> it, it, they're, di- they're certainly not going to come up with dinosaurs' attack because it is just on a different level. It, uh, the, you know, this looks like the creation of a deranged mind, and you're like, well, to a certain extent, you might be right, but uh, it, w- that guy's probably doing his job, which is selling cards uh to kids he he looks like he succeeded at least a couple of times well i would say on the contrary i would say that anybody can do anything all you have to do really (laughs) is just be subjected to terrible shit (laughs) well then you could but then you would you could say that 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 uh, uh, you know that you might have to say that a normal person is then being denormalized by a, a you know a trauma or ptsd oh yeah so i mean so I don't know. It could go either way. But anyway, let's anyway. let's uh, slide into the apothecary for a break and then come back for the second part of this topic. Oh, yeah. Hi there. My name is Douglas Rassensberger, and I'm a CEO and founder of Douglas's Cutlasses. Have you ever found yourself in this situation? You've just gotten home from a long day of spurring growth at your small but thriving business. You're just trying to slice some quality deli meats and cheeses for a relaxing snack, and suddenly there's a mysterious intruder rummaging through your garbage outside. What's a domestic disruptor to do when you get in a pickle like this? Pull out your handy-dandy, short-handled, half-guarded navel sword, that's what. Here at Douglas & Colors, we've got every possible colors for every conceivable scenario. Are you an aspiring or current CEO of a Fortune 500 company? I've got a cutlass for that. A middle school teacher struggling to maintain discipline in the classroom? I've got a cutlass for that. Looking to add a little flair to drab dinner parties? I've got a cutlass for that. Some people say to me, but Douglas, I'm not a pirate, privateer, or sailor. What do I need with a battle quality 27 inch half guard naval sword? I'm so glad you asked. Here at Douglas's Cutlasses, our research shows that the vast majority of conflicts, both business and personal, can be positively affected by the introduction of a modest, well-crafted naval sword. So let's get swashbuckling. No matter what's your problem, an easy-to-wield iron forged cutlass is probably the solution. So once again, I'm Douglas Raffensperger of Douglas's Cutlasses. Come get stabby with me. Please go to paypal.me slash oopsallbonsters and make a payment there. And that's oops with two O's. Again, that link is paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters. Now that we're back, I have a question about these Martians for you. Yes. Is there is there anything in the um, cards that indicate that they would have a particular vulnerability to uh, yodeling? Um, no. <laughs> What's happening to him? What's killing him? I think it must be my music. 
Okay, I didn't. I no. didn't think so, but you yeah. know, I've been surprised I, in a couple of examples already. In the cards, um, it's kind of in the movie, but in the cards, it's suggested that they're beaten by just uh, not using guns and just smashing them with the most primitive, brute human viciousness that you can muster up. Yeah. Okay. Like, uh, there's a counterattack. Uh, in the card story where humans go to Mars and just destroy them with bayonets and old rifles because they try to use and this is funny they try to use atom bombs but in the uh, in the card it says that a force field makes the bombs explode in the air um, before they can hit hit the ground which atom bombs explode in the air already but I don't think people knew that in <laughs> 1962. <laughs> No, yeah, no. Like, we're kind of super educated at this point on um, atomic warfare, nuclear warfare. <laughs> yeah, and um, if the uh, the gag that they do with the nuke in the Tim Burton film is su- is super choice. They they, yeah. they fire nukes at the uh, the Martians that are are in space, yeah. and the, the Martian general f- shoots out this little contraption. It's like a horn that like sucks in the entire detonation and it like fills up this kind of beach ball sized balloon and then that whole contraption like zooms back into their base and then he like huffs it like a bong rip and then laughs maniacally like he's high on helium it's really amazing yeah Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty pretty good gag (laughs) you blow it up Damn you! But the intro to the movie takes four minutes for all of the celebrity names to be displayed. Yeah, it's wild. Yeah. (laughs) It's got Jack Nicholson, Pierce Bronson, uh, Glenn Close, Natalie Portman, Annette Bening, Lisa Marie, Jack Black, Danny DeVito, Sarah Jessica Parker, Lucas Haas, Martin Short, Tom Jones, Michael J. Fox, Jim Brown, Pam Greer, Rod Steger, Christina Applegate, who is in it for probably 30 seconds. Yeah, she plays the, at the time, exactly where Christina Applegate was in terms of casting, like, blonde bimbo character. Uh, Paul Winfield, Joe Don Baker, Ray J, who um, is a celebrity nowadays, I think he's, I'm not sure what he does. But Joe Don Baker. Um, Olan Jones was in it, who is a Tim Burton favorite. Um, Olan Jones is plays Richie's mother in this movie, but she was also the organist, um, Christian woman in Wed- Edward Scissorhands, who warns uh... everybody that Edward Scissorhands is a dark thing. Um, she's in a lot of Tim Burton movies. She's in a lot of movies. Yeah, she's but... got kind of like witchy, hillbilly, maniac vibes. Yeah. Uh, they breathe nitrogen because the chewing gum that the uh, beehive oh, hairdo yeah. assassin and they, yeah, they, was they do some. They, the scientists do some balonium to, to explain that they're a nitrogen-based uh, entity, and that's how they, they need the, the little domes yeah. to live. If you, break the, if you crack their dome, their heads explode. I remember yeah. that. <laughs> and I, I think that they're kind of, like, genderless. I mean, I think there's a gag where one of them's looking at, like, a Martian version of a Playboy, but they all look the same, I think. Yes. Yeah, and there was also... Uh, uh, 
when uh, yeah, whenever the big robot pilot uh, goes into the big robot to go to Earth, his wife throws him his lunch, and his wife is just like um, a, a naked uh, other one of him. Like they're exactly Ooh. the same. Yeah, but, there's like no physical difference, is there? Because yeah, I would no have remembered if had there been like the same monster but with like big boobs. I think I would have recalled that. Yeah, there's they yeah they don't have any differences at all. It's very cosmopolitan. Specifically, the Martians in the movie, they don't they don't seem to be fixated on success because they yeah. spend they do a lot of things that are really going out of their way to just be like mean and sadistic that yes. would be a, a, would be a lot simpler just to win the fight. You know what yeah. I mean? They, like one of them throws down versus uh Jim Brown in like a boxing match and gets killed just for the yeah. just for the fuck of it. I mean, they do they do a lot of stuff that gets them killed where if they just tried to win, it would have been a lot simpler. Um so if anything, they do have a great sense of humor. Yeah, the um the part where at the end where they find out that Slim Whitman's Indian love call kills them, they were sneaking up behind Richie's grandmother with a giant cannon to blast her with a giant cannon instead yeah. of like just one of their pistols. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you the kids loved that scene. Yes. <laughs> like, hey, they were screaming out, they're going to blow grandma's head off. It's a, it's a, it's a very sad, it's a very amusing scene. It's really funny. Um, and they, they definitively are from Mars. Um, yes. And I forget how that's explained in the movie, but they do know it's Mars and they, they just live underground, deep underground. Yeah. The Martian because surface. We, as Sarah Jessica Parker asked Pierce Bronson, didn't we send a probe to Mars that didn't find anything? And then Pierce Bronson said, well, we didn't search the canyons, and it's evident that they lived underground, and their technology could be mind-boggling. The, the only way to really understand the movie is not to think about it in relating to reality, but really mirroring the Cold War Atomic Age sci-fi tropes, because the, that yeah. character of the um, the pipe-smoking like reclining in your chair and pontificating turtleneck wearing scientific elitist jerk who ends up being yeah. a, the kind of idiot that will the walk you right into the the lion's mouth that is it, it is such a a cliche of the atomic age movies and and that's that's yeah. that cl that cliche still maintains i mean the the scientists that's the scientist that's too focused on learning and then gets you gets you fucking like xenomorph chest bursted is you know we have <laughs> not lost versions of that trope um, but yeah. th why are these c people behaving like this? You know, it, I, that's the thing that I tried to, from the, the opening credits of the movie, I was like, here's the lesson kids is this movie is satire. What does satire mean? Yeah. It means that <laughs> yeah. none of it is serious. So when you find yourself saying, why are they doing that? Why are they being so stupid? It's because it's satire. They're, 
they're cutting into the seriousness and the 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 the, the military and religion and the government and politicians yeah. like all of it even even the science egg, eggheads they're not they're not leaving anybody on the table unharmed yeah the the sensible characters are apathetic teenagers mm-hmm um, who are the only ones that have the good sense to like pick up the pick up the guns and start blasting away? It's it, it's really yeah. bizarre. It's one of the other anti messages of the story, if you could call it that. Is the the two black teenagers that are the the sons of Pam Greer and um, Jim Brown? They're depicted as yeah. being obsessed yeah. with violent video games. They're playing the they're playing yes. a um, an anti Martian game that is. Uh, using yeah. the the blaster pistols that came with a, 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 a game that I was really fond of called Lethal Enforcer. There was an arcade yeah. <laughs> game that was a Hogan's Alley style game of all of these characters that would jump out of you know it, you'd be it would pop up in a, a bank lobby or something and all these these criminals would jump up and you have to blast them instantly, hundreds of them, and not accidentally kill a hostage. And it was. Um, at the center of the 90s, yeah. like, violence stress wave of what are we doing to these kids with these violent video games? And here you have kind of an anti-message where these kids who are the kids that are obsessed with these violent video games end up being the savior. Because I remember very specifically in the yes. crisis where they break the, – the Martians are going to kill the president and his family – it's the it's the yeah. two boys that pick up the um, the Martian guns and save the day, right? And like, yes, uh, it is. It, it it's there's at least a couple of like very strong anti messages in the movie. It's like violent teenagers will save us, and and yes. um, and <laughs> you know, jingoistic maniacal five star generals in in sunglasses are right and you should let them nuke the enemy <laughs> immediately. It's, it's really um, odd that the, the, the yeah, takeaways um, from the film. I wanted to say that the video game that those kids were playing mm -hmm. um, was, was actually made like it was designed oh. and um, it has mechanics and um, it was a functioning video game, but only for the movie. They it's not released, huh. but they made the video game like uh, the art design. It's a pretty simple thing. It's just like um, a light gun. Yeah. Uh, zapper. Well, I that's no more complicated than duck hunt, yeah, but like yeah, yeah, um, yeah. the little uh, virus monster graboids that, come after this pilot on the surface of Mars, um, you have to shoot all of those before they completely eat all of his skin off. Right. And um, that game was designed and made, and those kids are actually playing it huh. for the movie. How about that? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I hadn't thought... I mean, I did remember on this more recent viewing, I saw, like, eh, I get it. There's, like, it's a... They're killing Martians on the surface of Mars in this game, and it's gonna... It's gonna come back. And I did remember enough to be like, oh, yeah, the teenagers are the only ones that have sense in this movie. Tim Burton has kind of made a... All adults are idiots a message film and and <laughs> the millennials will have to save us or i mean i guess it's maybe the babyest 
Uh, well, actually, I mean, those kids would have been around our age. They would have been the earliest millennials. Yeah. You know what I mean? They would have been the... Yeah, those, there's... The, the, there are... Well, I don't know what to call our generation, because anybody turning 40 right now knows what I'm talking about. We're not in Gen X, and we're not really millennials, and we have VCRs and smartphones, and there's all kinds of complicated... Um, pop culture know-how to our lives, <laughs> and it's kind of weird to categorize this. And it's everybody who's just like forty right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it is. There's a. I I would I would say that there there is a name for it. It's not occurring to me right now. There is kind of a um a micro generation that is the bubble that is the line the the, the line between the two items of Gen X and the millennials. Wretched slugs. Oh, this is this can't be right. Zennials or Zennials, also known as the Oregon Trail Generation or Generation Catalano. <laughs> you gotta be Generation Catalano. <laughs> um, are the micro generation of people on the cusp of the Generation X and millennial demographic cohorts? Researchers and popular media use birth years from the late 1970s to the early 1980s. Zennials. Um, while this, I have Googled this exact topic probably. 20 times minimum. This is the first time this entry yeah. has ever been available to me, or at least it, it would, used to be buried, because I've never heard the Oregon Trail Generation or the Generation Catalano. Oh, I've heard the Oregon Trail Generation. Really? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Because I would be um, positive, if I had ever seen this written down, um, it would be uh, it would be at top of my mind. I would not have forgotten that I'm part of the Oregon Trail generation. Uh, how, yeah. yeah. We're, we have seen the internet unfold in all of its stages, and um, it's the, like the, the defining thing of the information age is um, should be like central in the way that we understand things but it is not <laughs> yeah it's just another thing that happened <laughs> yeah we're, we're, because we've also got we were we were just becoming adults when 9-11 happened it's not in the past for us yeah <laughs> well i think uh back to yeah your point two points ago about the information age is um <laughs> at our age we were because the internet happened when we were in like junior high, which is yeah. both the worst and the best timing because it means you're just old enough to start using it at a time where computer use is like, I mean, now we take it for granted. I mean, if it had been happening when we were eight, maybe we couldn't have done it. But back then, you know, computers were not designed for children. You know, the screens and interfaces were not designed for children. You needed to have startup disks if you wanted to if you wanted to yeah. load if you wanted <laughs> yeah. to load Doom onto your uh, onto your Dell. You needed to have like nine disks to get it on there. So it wasn't exactly uh, child friendly to have a computer in nineteen uh, ninety three. But the, the point being that it in 50 to 100 years, the thing that will make all of culture make sense is the addition of the internet and the fact that it comes online yeah. at the same time that your puberty comes online, I think is a 
terrible and astounding synchronicity for for a generation yes. of human beings. It is um, it is uh, it is yeah monumentally significant. And so being some yes, of the first, ad- we are the main characters of reality. <laughs> <laughs> that's a day. It's a It's a dangerous thought there. The sleeper has awakened. It, 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 that's, that's the, it cousin, is. It's it the is. cousin of the <laughs> most dangerous thought. Um, yeah. Handle that appropriately. But we are the main characters of reality. <laughs> well, and and what is the most dangerous thought? Mister Hess tells his children, uh, regardless of well, you know, as long as I'm not teaching kids, kids. If I'm teaching people that are, uh, you know, um, old enough to consider when they would get a driver's license, I teach them. At some point, it comes up organically, and I go, okay, well, somebody just reminded Mr. Hesse, I may have not taught this class, what is the most dangerous thought in the world? And all the kids go like, huh? And some kid screams out, death! And you're like, well, death is not actually danger, but okay, whatever. And I'm like, the most dangerous thought is, and then I write that on the board, and then I finish and I go, some people aren't really people. And then I just like, I just draw my finger under it, and I go, if you ever find yourself thinking any version of this thought, look at what your thinking is again and think why. Because it requires this thought to then, in turn, do most really, truly human things on planet Earth, is to decide that some people are not actually people because they're too old, they're too young, they're from the wrong country, they're a soldier, they're a this or that or the other. Any reason... They're a Martian. Yeah, well, that's the thing. You know, some people are not people, which is one of the reasons that this show is specifically about... It's not necessarily Monsters. non-people, but they're, and the, they're at least not humans, right? Um the Marsh the Martians display almost every kind of repugnant quality that someone can have. Their their primary redeeming quality yeah. is that they have a way better sense of humor than anybody else in the movie. <laughs> except <laughs> ex, except maybe Jack Nicholson's uh shitty uh casino owner guy. I yeah. forget his name. Yeah, He's the pretty funny. Pretty but uh good. the but basically and nobody else is having as much fun as the Martians. Uh, but otherwise they are fairly unredeemable. What are your final points? What have we not gotten to? Well, why was Jack Nicholson cast twice? That's because uh, Tim Burton was told by the studio, uh, do not kill off Jack Nicholson's character. Uh, okay. People don't like that. So he casted him twice so he could kill him twice. Oh, hol- <laughs> just, to, just to burn the studio and Jack Nicholson loved hilarious. it. Can you? That's, <laughs> yeah, that's, that's hilarious. <laughs> Or what is on your mind that would close out our con- our ideas about these these um, crazy atomic age Martians? Final thoughts is well, um, yeah. I'll just I'll just uh, reiterate that I think that a lot of the re-realizing of the the Generation X re-realizing of Cold War American values has led us to our um, cosmic 
Lovecraftian villain antagonist of modern fiction. Okay, can you connect those dots? Because there's a lot, there's a lot of commas in in that run-on sentence, and I don't mean that in a bad way. I just yes. mean that you really got to explode that. You got to walk me through it. I think that um, the the cosmic villain, as I'm going to start calling it, is the next step in um, the comfortable antagonist, such um, as the Martian would be. Because, like you said, it's not a human. Okay, so um, and huh. it's something it's something that both America and Russia could join forces and fight. So, what's the what is the what would you what are your prime examples? Your diction flip open the dictionary and tell me what a who a cosmic villain is. Who would be who would be the your top top oh, examples like, there? Well, Thanos. Oh, I, okay, um, okay. Cthulhu. So. Um, Yug Sagoth, the 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 creeping horror that's in everybody's nightmares. That's the unexplained uh, vision antagonist that's in a lot of um, television horror nowadays. So, what is the overlap between Thanos and Cthulhu that makes them that that puts them in the same drawer on some level? Because I'm not. I don't think that you're wrong. I just wouldn't have had that. Um, I wouldn't have had that category ready to go on my own. What what makes Thanos like uh, another cosmically oriented baddie? Is it because he's on some level impossible to understand, or what? What's going on there? Yeah. Oh, like Thanos specifically. Yeah, because the thing is, people are people oh, are going to okay. understand Thanos to some extent, or they're going to think yeah. that they are. Well, he's he's a deity. Like um, he he's a tangible deity. Okay, I guess I guess that's like a and to a, a certain extent, co- co- cos- yeah, cosmic on some level has to do with scale. I mean, not just like physical scale, yeah. but um, the of of existing throughout time and having a a profound godlike presence. Does that make sense? Yes, that's what I meant by cosmic. <sighs> okay, yeah. so so. Overall power, age might be a part of it. Then, in that case, when yes. we it, it, looking forward, I because you haven't seen the Loki show, right? I've saw one episode. Spoiler alert here for the Loki show. But if you're paying attention to the MCU, that um, at the end at the end of Loki, we are introducing Kang the Conqueror and Kang's Kang's origins (laughs) um, have to do with cracking open the multiverse thanks to killing his predecessor who was holding the timeline together. Um, so when I said spoilers, I was serious in this instance. So, um, and, and, and I, yeah. so I, would you say that in this case, Kang qualifies because, on he because yes. he is um well certainly he's going to become on, on certain level timeless or dimensionless you know he is going to be post yeah. post reality in a, in a fashion oh <laughs> yeah. i did I, did i just coin something i don't know but anyway uh, yeah that's a um, good one that is a good one i would say that that makes sense I'm going to be curious what the Kang depiction is like because, uh, you know, it the the 
the five and six year olds that I see like pretending to have the infinity gauntlet on the playground and screaming about Thanos and pronouncing it Thanos, they're not comprehending that he's yeah. like a cosmic horror from beyond time and space. You know, they just he's just, they know he's just a big, scary, cool guy that can punch Thor and knock him out. Right. And so I'm curious yeah. how the depiction of Kang in the MCU is going to um, step up to the plate and deliver the kind of like terror that is necessary to build another villain property of that profundity. Because I think, uh, you know, I think they might be able to do it. Um, but I'm curious how they're going to, how they're going to make that, um, you know, happen. Jonathan majors is just going to grease up his big bulky chest and flex his muscles until everybody starts <laughs> well my my my, my doubts are I, it's not that i have doubts related to jonathan majors i think that he um his portrayal his of the character in loki was certainly a, a fantastic start but there there is a lot to there Pretty is a sexy. lot to step into uh, to be the next uh, Thanos because that Thanos really the depiction really did successfully become the fulcrum of the that's that stage whatever it was stage three of the MCU and really pull yeah. all of that together and and then like start the multiverse ball rolling and get all those properties to make sense in the same world and somehow still not get black widow a good movie that anybody would bother watching but anyway but yeah mars attacks is a delightful and cynical look it it started cynical um and then as uh, antagonists in sci-fi and fiction uh, started to become more uh, robotic throughout the 80s, and then um, eventually it came full circle back to Alien, the Tim Burton movie is certainly a gem. Um, I have no conclusion <laughs> to this end. Uh, that's fine. <laughs> It's almost impressive that the tops cards, which are certainly created as a joke property of like, haha, look at how ridiculous I can make this and still get away with it. And this is my job and you're going to buy it. Um, that, that it's yeah. interesting that that it happens in the 60s and then it gets brought back in the 90s. And, and I wonder if that if it perhaps. <laughs> Ah, I think I might have it. Like, because like top, the origins of this guy, this creator, Wally Woods, are in EC Comics, and I meant to bring this up at the beginning, yeah. and it, we we blew by it. But for those of you who don't know, yeah. EC Comics were this incredible property that were the stereotypic dripping nightmare horror comics of the 1950s that the the cultural panic was railing against and end up ended up causing the comics code that in turn gave us the era of the superhero because they couldn't make them about drugs and guns and sex and zombies eating your dad yeah. you know the EC comics yeah. are where the the crypt keeper comes from tales from the crypt and 
the the crooked witch and all of these other you know like evil host characters that would walk you through these macabre and nightmarish stories of vice and villainy they're fantastic if you've yeah. never if you've never gotten the original EC comics they're terrible and incredible the art is amazing the writing is really good and they have been an inspiration for horror movies and pop culture ever since I mean you know creep show with with Stephen King and John Carpenter is really just saying like okay let's make some EC comics the movie you know they are so essential to yeah. culture even though we don't necessarily know that in in generations that are younger than us and for that to to say like okay that guy worked at EC comics it completely makes sense because there is a kind of like sadomasochism in that 50s 60s uh, old-timey, scary horror comic book culture that gets reified through the Martians from Mars attacks, and it kind of ports them the way that Tim, the way that Tim Burton's cultural interests port them over from the 1950s or faux 1950s of Burbank in the Edward Scissorhands world over to the actual 1990s <laughs> of our childhood, such that Mars Attacks and Edward Scissorhands come out in a handful of years at the same time we're buying those cards and the Edward Scissorhands toys or playing cards or whatever lunchbox that came with him. So in a way that like his stuff is tracking the bizarre sadomasochistic content, the bizarre sadomasochistic content from the 50s and 60s that is doing kind of the same job as late Mad Magazine and um, bizarre Bart <laughs> Simpson like irony and world is hell, Matt Groening yeah. kind of stuff that was getting toned down yeah. in the late eighties, early nineties and turned into something that, you know, younger millennials would find more palatable. So, um, take that. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what point I finally got to, but it was in there somewhere. <clears throat> and then it, it, but it's interesting because kind of in a way, that getting getting back around to a more, as you say, cosmic villain, uh, kind of kind of makes sense. It's kind of like we've been pushing these big, the biggest, scariest bad guys under the carpet for decades, thanks to the comics code yeah. that created the era of Marvel and DC. That the the super the superhero yes. era that we've been living in ever since basically the seventies is because they couldn't have guys sh like shooting heroin and cutting women up and being eaten by swamp monsters in their comics anymore. So the alternative was, you know, like uh, GI Joe and captain America and Dr. Fate and Kang, the Kang, the conqueror and Mephisto and, you know, these characters that are, skirting the line of being terrible in just a goofy enough, like, leotardy kind of way. Well, I'll tell you, nobody handles garbage better than we do. Any any last thing? I don't need to have the last <laughs> thought. I'm just... It's, this one got me to a thought. No, that 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 was my last thought. Well, fantastic one. It was very, it was uh, I was had no idea I would enjoy today's topic so much. The Mars attacks monsters, they are ack 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 hilarious. 
Ack. Yeah, ack, ack, uh, there's probably gonna be a, there's probably ack, gonna be enough acts in this edit anyway when I add all the the bumps into it. Um, there's gonna yeah. be a lot of acts. Let me ack you like a question. A junior high locker room with all the acts in here. Oh <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. So uh, it, he looks like he's in a he looks like he's in like a Williamsburg coffee shop. He's got some like <laughs> yeah. like six hundred dollar metal and and clear plastic clear acrylic glasses on. He's yeah. got real like New York hipster vibes. He's probably somewhere. I've noticed a lot of parts of Texas will look like they are northeastern um, or north northwestern West Virginia and northwestern Pennsylvania look kind of like some places in Texas, like the interiors. Yeah, of buildings. I mean, this, this is this is like a professional photographer where the depth of focus is short, so that the background is 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 yeah. quite blurry. <laughs> You know, um, somebody, somebody, yeah, somebody's tell. getting paid <laughs> to take this photo. And he's kind of like, yeah, I guess I'll let you take it. He's got, this is another one with a majestic beard. So maybe this is also during the Texas yeah. Rising era. But um, he also kind of looks like he's trying to pretend he's not having his picture taken. This, I, yeah, yeah, he's he really vacillates from looking like he's in his 60s to looking like he's 40. Like, there's a vast, yeah. which is probably good for him now because he can play a, a vast range of guys. But when this, he's got a lot of gray yeah. beard. Or he, he could play a character that has uh, a flashback uh, side story. Yeah. It looks like. Because Go he'll ahead. be. <laughs> it won't take much to make him look either younger yeah, or this older. This kind of, to me, with the like kind of casual leather jacket and these glasses. It, he kind of looks like the 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 philosophy professor who does not want to be running this meeting of the philosophy club. Yeah. Uh, you know, like yeah. in the in the back room yeah. of the cafe, like he's just waiting for Philip to shut the fuck up about N- Nietzsche yeah. so yeah. he can move to a real point. Yeah. This is a pretty good picture. He's caught at a moment where he could either be beginning to ask a question, listening to a question, um, responding to a question, or yeah, it's, it's highly pen- it's, it's, it's definitely yeah, it's question highly related though. He d- it doesn't it does not look <laughs> yeah. it mu- it's much more candid. None of his pictures really look candid. He looks either he's either actually involved in a photo shoot or on a red carpet or like yeah. hey, you're at my ranch and I'm doing showing off my ranch stuff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and this one yeah. looks genuinely like you've you've caught like most pictures of most people look like you've caught him in in mid- the midst of something. And he kind of looks like yeah. Um, like aging hipster Bert from Bert and Ernie here a little bit. Oh, <laughs> but I don't. <laughs> but like in a good way. I don't. I don't like. Oh, oh, that was good. I mean, yeah, he does look like aging <laughs> hipster Bert from Bert and Ernie. <laughs> like. 
somebody shot Bert with a human gun. <laughs> well, like, and it turns out it's Jeffrey Dean like, Morgan twenty I, uh, years after like, that. S- somebody <laughs> stole my bottle cap collection, and if one of you doesn't tell me who it is, I'm going to set this building on fire. Those are really cool. Yeah, glasses. they're. I can. Somebody paid. Somebody paid a lot for that muffler. Those are, yeah, those are really nice. Because you can get some <laughs> some $22 clear acrylic frames on Zenny, but that this ain't that. These are, these are like, yeah, these are downtown yeah. or uptown New York designer, uh, you know, designer yeah. shades that if when you got that TV money, you get those nice ones. So those are those TV money <laughs> glasses. I can, I can spot them. TV money clear you're, yeah, you're gonna like the way you see. Um, <laughs> you're gonna like the way you see. All right. Well, this has been. This has been. Describing Jeffrey D. Morgan. So, are the Mars attacks Martians? Are the Mars Attacks Martians bitchin' bitchin' Van Art? Is it, is it, is it, is it, is it bitchin' Van Art? I don't know, Gavin, what do you think? I'm gonna have to say uh-huh. no. Yeah, I... Uh, th- they belong yeah, on a the card vibe or on is a not comic. bitchin'. It would be, it would, I would like it, but it's not a bitchin' yep. vibe. Our, previ- our previous topic yeah. of the slide, slide Rock Bolter, also not bitchin'. We've been kind of out of the bitchin' zone for yeah. a couple of episodes. But I, I don't know. I would be I would be into it, yeah. but it, it is a kind of a, a, a nerdlinger versus military versus Tim Burton kind of vibe, which is, it's a lot of cool things, but it's, yeah. it's not bitchin'. So I'm going to kind of call it a, yeah. Not uh, bitchin' Between up and down, I'm going to say down. All right. Well, that has been Bitchin' Van Art. And that brings us to the end of our time with you, dear reader. Until next time, when we deliver you another batch of beasts, bullywugs, and bowls of flesh-eating dessert fluff. And if you'd be so kind as to tell a friend or support us by throwing Oops All Monsters a five-star review on iTunes, that helps us a lot. I also have a Twitch channel, which is Gavin Longshanks at Twitch. I'm on there um, infrequently. <laughs> Uh, share, share an episode on your favorite social media and hit up our Instagram for the images that go along with each episode, including the Jeffrey Dean Morgans. Comment on Instagram with the monsters that you would want to see or email your suggestions for what monsters we should cover and also email us RPG gaming stories. We can't get enough of them. That's uh, email address is oopsallmonsters at gmail.com it's oopsallmonsters one word at gmail.com and if you want to toss a coin into the potion fund hit us up with a one shot contribution at paypal.me slash oopsallmonsters lastly I have to thank my wonderful friend Katie for our incredible theme song and her work as part of the duo the Darling Kathleen's can be found on YouTube at The Darling Kathleen's. And with that, I have been Hess. Ack, 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 Gavin. And we have been. 
Oops. All monsters. So I guess like now we just have to start over and start rebuilding everything our houses and but I was thinking maybe instead of houses we could live in teepees because it's better in a lot of ways I, I guess that's all I have to say <laughs>